Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday, good day, good weather. Holy smokes, it doesn't get much better than this. Beautiful, beautiful weather in the mid part of the country. A great day to get outside and, of course, time to get started on maintaining our homes, offices, all the buildings, the yardens, all the things that Mike Miller spoke about this morning on the KMOX Garden Hotline. Uh, certainly all the things that make Midwest green. So we talk about the humidity in the summer and complain about all that. This is the good part. Everything is green and lush. The trees are out. Uh, many of the blooms are happening. And that's just because we have tons of water and great Humidity. Scott Mosby Home Improvement. Uh, I own and, and operate Mosby Building Arts, uh, founded in uh, 1947 by my father. We have two full hours today of sharing any experience I can uh, muster up for you here. Think of me as your research and development team that went out and messed it up many times before so that I can give you the right answers now. That's called experience. Well, experience means you just failed faster for a long time. You learned a bunch of stuff, and now you're smarter than that. That's it. There's no rocket science to any of this. Uh, there is a business concept called fail faster, which means if you're trying to learn something, move as quickly as you can because ultimately failure would happen. Kind of like a baseball player swinging at the pitches. You know how many times you get you get seven sw- pitches to hit or not? You know, and golly, sometimes you make connections, sometimes you don't. So the more at-bats you have, the more success you will ultimately wind up as you, if you learn from those messages. Phone lines here for you to share your questions, answers, your favorite topics, products, and advice. 314-436-7900. Thank you to Rich Orris, who pinch hit for the last two weeks for me. Uh, Newsflash, I uh, have now been to the Kentucky Derby. I've seen all that, witnessed all that, had a mint julep, all that goes with that. And yes, the hats were everywhere. That and the family wedding, thank you so much for allowing me the time away from you. Uh, Just a little bit time away. I'm a little under the weather, picked up a bug as I was traveling. I'm doing fine, but so forgive me just a little bit for that raspy voice I might be sharing with you here on beautiful KMOX. 50,000 watts. We cover two or three states during the day and sometimes the entire Midwest. Uh, And, you know, some of the old KMOX lore Back in the 70s, we actually uh, had a Scott Air Force Base plane landing uh, in London that as it was descending, the crew was listening to Cardinal Baseball on KMOX. So uh, some of that in the historic annals of KMOX history. 314-436-7900, uh, We don't have a toll-free. It's still 436-7900. Bring it on, bring it in, bring it early, and we will talk about it here on KMOX. So, uh, current events. Uh, The Fed continues to uh, tighten down and raise interest rates. Uh, Banks and deposits and all that are still in the news. Inflation continues to go largely because, excuse me, of the strength of the U.S. economy. I followed and have shared with you some of the lumber futures. Lumber futures meaning, you know, what the foresters and the lumbermen's do in turn, lumbermen do as far as British Columbia, Canadian lumber, northern U.S., all the areas that are heavily wooded. 
um, and as high during, you know, right at the early part of the pandemic, some of the lumber futures were $1,700 per thousand board feet, board feet or $1.70 per 12 by 12 inch board, the one inch thick. Now we're down to 344. Well, they also changed the math. So uh, several, you know, in previous times, I've been tracking lumber futures. And all of this is a temperature or a measurement of how hot the construction market it is. And, you know, timing or good, good or bad or availability, all of that. I'm kind of reporting to you the health of the construction industry and all of that. There's still an enormous amount of backlog or projects that have already been committed. So there's a lot still in the system. And uh, demand for custom homes still stands very high. Last week, the uh, uh, business starts of new homes or construction starts were up. And builder confidence was up primarily because with the high interest rates, nobody's moving. So nothing is for sale. All these existing homes that used to be on the market because, you know, uh, Larry and and Tim were going to a new home. They were upscaling because of the size of their family or whatever the issue was. Well, you know, at 5 6% mortgage rates, they're just staying put. Well, if you're looking for a new home, there aren't any. So the supply remains depressed. As that relates now to the lumber futures, uh, what has changed over the last year is now lumber futures used to quote the price delivered up in British Columbia, up in forestry lands. Well, then you have to spend all the money to get all this lumber by truck or rail all the way down here to the Midwest. Now they're quoting these delivery points down in, I think, to Chicago, um, to the Midwest, middle part of the country here somewhere. So it's closer to where we are. So for you and I buying a board or lumber or whatever, plywood, whatever it may be, it's a more descriptive number. The point being that uh, the supply and demand, uh, demand is down, supply is dropping, uh, forestry men are now uh, beginning to, you know, be unemployed at a bigger rate than before. Uh, the point being that, you know, if you're looking at remodeling or new construction or anything like that, uh, now is a pretty good time because uh, though demand remains high, uh, there still is capacity in the system. And, you know, as it relates to Mosby Building Arts, uh, our company that's now 75 years old, uh, are recruiting is uh, pretty successful. We're uh, able to uh, attract and keep and compensate people at uh, better rates than we have in the past three years. Uh, so anyway, that's you know one of our uh, business goals is to be the employer of choice. Uh, that if I'm going to go to work somewhere, I want to go to work for somebody I trust and that I think is doing a good job managing the company, taking care of all the stuff that I don't need to talk about. I just want to go build stuff or you know do my particular design position. So that's part of what I'm here to report. A little too much about the economics, but it's been on my mind now for the last month. Uh, We've got things to talk about. Air conditioning, dehumidification, uh, maintaining your heating and cooling system, replacing furnaces. What are the type of furnaces and heats and cooling systems available? Uh, What is the future of solar here in the Midwest? Uh, Those of you listening that are part of the state of Illinois, you have some pretty aggressive incentives to incent you to get into some of the renewable energies, certainly the solar uh, batteries. Uh, some of the rural co-ops are even more aggressive on that, so we can talk about some of those things as it relates to uh, uh, solar, geothermal, 
um, uh, heat pumps, uh, the more efficient methods of heating and cooling, as well as gas, which is always the favorite here in the Midwest, because when it gets as bloody cold as it is around St. Louis, you know, when it's 10, 12 degrees below zero Fahrenheit, man, oh man, oh man, I mean, warm weather matters, and what's coming out of that vent better warm my house and not be just lukewarm. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. I know you're out running errands and taking care of the house. Let's get it going. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, 314-436-7900. We're going to talk about some of the preventive maintenances and some of the various uh, names and terms and things that you know I've discussed over the year, one being RIDEX and some of the things that you can do to prepare your house for the spring as we do all of this spring cleaning. And, you know, on days like this in the coming week, gosh, anything outdoors is fun. It's just, uh, and this is open window weather, so we'll talk about windows as well. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX 314-436-7900. I'll be right back for more after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Okay, back together, Hour 1 Home Improvement. Uh, following this show is your retirement professionals. That's 1 o'clock, two hours here on the KMOX Home Improvement Show. 1 o'clock, your retirement professionals. 2 o'clock, the business of family business. Tonight, the Cardinal Baseball pregame show starts at 5.20 right here on KMOX. Lots of things to talk about. Great day on KMOX. Take us with you as you move around the uh, city, St. Louis, Midwest, uh, all the states that we cover with our listening signal, <clears throat> bring it on and bring us with you. You can also take me with you on the odyssey.com or odyssey app or application, and it's a way, way to take all this to your smartphone, and you can you know, re- replay the last 20 seconds, or uh, all of these shows are podcast, so you can al- also go back into odyssey.com or kmox.com and listen to last week's show, two weeks show, you know, whatever it is. Phone lines here, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Let's go get started and get going on our questions and answers. Uh, I talked about RIDX. <clears throat> Over the years, uh, and that's 25 years I've been on KMWEX, um, I, I, I lost count and really have to think about it to go back and figure this out. Um, I've been on just about a year less than Mike Miller on the KMWEX Garden Hotline, so we've both been around for a good bit. Uh, continue to serve, uh, enjoy our time, and certainly I enjoy my time on KMWEX. Uh, as it relates to uh, Ridex, this is one of those products that I used for other reasons. Ridex is a septic tank cleaner. It is a material that basically uh, just is a um, um, accelerant for breaking down solid waste. So it makes things work better in your septic tank and it requires some sort of bacteria to break down the solid waste. Well, the issue and why I suggest we use Ridex in our pipes in our homes that don't have septic tanks is because it also breaks down and digests that solid waste, i.e. grease and scum buildup on the surface of those waste draining uh, sewer pipes that might be in the wall of the house, underneath the floor, you know, all the way out to the sewer. Uh, so I'm not proposing you dump a whole box of this stuff or a whole gallon down. But, you know, a little bit uh, down a toilet or a sink or a floor drain 
uh, tends to scour or kind of clean up the inside surface of those pipes. Well, the cleaner the inside surface of your waste pipes, like me, the old frying bacon, uh, over the years, you know, fried foods, whatever it is, oils and such from cooking and cleaning, all go down the kitchen sink, down the pipe, and winds up laying flat on the bottom of the sewer pipe somewhere underneath the house. Those are the things that I want to see digested and cleaned. Uh, And likewise, if you have any sewer blockages, uh, I'm a preferred user of uh, pressure washer. Just like your dollar car wash, there are those uh, cutting tools that go on the end of a kind of a uh, rotary sewer cleaning uh, cable. And it tears up pipes. It's it's meant to cut and saw through um, roots of trees and debris that grows into that sewer line. Likewise, uh, it cuts up and messes with the inside surface of your pipe, so it makes the pipe, even in perfect um, situation, it makes the inside surface of that pipe rough and um, uh, more prone for um, uh, grease and debris to stick to it. So I like the pressure washer part, and if you think about it, it's like pushing a pencil forward through a pipe And all the jets are spraying backwards, so it's spraying the debris back toward where the pipe or where that cable goes in from. Uh, Often done by fiber optic companies, my point being that pressure washing the inside of a PVC or polyvinyl chloride waste sewer pipe, you know, you get, as as, um, my dad would say, slick as a whistle. Well, you wind up with smooth, clean, clear surfaces of pipe. Ridex also uh, advances that a little bit. So... Uh, you know, an ounce of prevention beats a pound of cure. Once you're in trouble, you know, time usually becomes an issue. Uh, the less time you have and the more uh, schedules, uh, entertaining guests, whatever that may be, you know, then you don't have the luxury of, well, you know, maybe calling the, a more reasonable provider. You wind up paying whatever it takes to get it done right now. So Ridex is a great preventive maintenance thing. Uh, uh, let's see what's cooking with my buddy, Kathy. Hey, Kathy, good morning. Welcome to CamWex, and I can, how can I help you this fine day? Good morning. I have very minute little brown bugs in my kitchen that fly. And uh-huh. you were talking about Ridex. I yes. had Ridex down in my kitchen cabinet, and they actually got into the box of Ridex. There was little tiny holes all in the box of Ridex. Yes. Now, I looked up uh, how to get rid of these little bad bugs, and as a, um, what do I want to say, uh, method of using oil, it said to use hot water and peppermint oil. And that won't get rid of them, but it will move them. Huh. Uh, And where would you apply this? Where do you apply this hot water and oil to? Well, where you see the bugs. So it would be in my kitchen under my sink. Oh, I see. And I totally clean everything out from under my sink. And I... Oops. Lost you there. There we go. So you cleaned everything out from underneath your sink? Yes. Okay. Um, once those bugs are in, it, it's um, it's kind of like weevils. It's hard to get rid of. They are persistent, and they will come back. I assume you stored your uh, Ridex underneath the sink? Are you there, Kath? Yes. Uh, did, you, did you store your Ridex under the sink then? 
no, I took the Red X out from under the sink because that's where the bugs were getting eaten. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that, yeah. Well, it, um, the problem with the Ridex is it's a food source, so it's like putting flour in there. If you do store Ridex in a uh, granular form anywhere, I would uh, transfer it into a Ziploc bag where you can seal it up to keep the bugs and the humidity and the moisture because it is a bacteria accelerant. So that's why the bugs love it because it, you know, it, it works. It's it's great for them. They just they just love that stuff. So pull that out. If you replace it, the Ridex in just storage form, you can buy it in a liquid form that's already mixed up, or it can be a concentrate where you put a little bit in, mix it with the water. Uh, getting rid of those bugs, uh, sometimes those sticky traps are uh, a, a good way to put it in. So if you can put those sticky traps close to where you find the bugs, you have to make sure you don't get your fingers into it or anything else. It's a mess if you contact it, but it will stick and hold those bugs, and one way to collect, if you have them in one of those cabinets. Uh, peppermint, like you said, is a good deterrent. They just don't like the peppermint and the um, uh, the smell. It just doesn't work, but, you know, frankly, you're almost as well off not trying to get rid of them, but collect them and kill them right there underneath that cabinet with uh, whatever kind of sticky trap or however to isolate it right there. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks, Kathy. Good luck. The, the persistent. This may go on for a while. You may, you know, be at, at war for a, a few no, m- number of months months on this one. Okay. Thank All you right. very much. Take care. Bye now. Uh, again, and that's uh, one of the issues that, and again, I opened the show with uh, lovely humidity. We have humidity, so our air is wet. So if you store, uh, you know, sugar in a, like a sugar box, um, it will chunk up because the humidity in the air, the moisture will just get into those granules, soak in, and connect every granule to the other. Uh, With something like flour, you have flour that goes bad. You can also have bugs that move into that if you have them not in sealed containers. Likewise, the Ridex has the same type of situation. Uh, Better to transfer that if you have it in granular form in a box because it doesn't have a plastic liner. Excuse me, last I checked. Make sure you seal those up so you can hold the moisture out and uh, the bugs out as well. Uh, 314-436-7900 puts us all together. Next up, let's talk to my friend Tony. Hey, Tony, Scott Mosby, how can I help you today? Hi, Scott. I've got what I call mites, red, bright red mites crawling all over the flat surface of a stone wall, the copper. Um, How do I get rid of those? Oh, good luck with that one. They live in the stone. Um, They come from the bird droppings. They come from the birds. The red mites typically are kind of parasites. They are all over birds and animals and whatever. And they uh, get around, very common in in masonry, um, patio, any place that remains moist and dark and warm, uh, they thrive. It, I don't know how to get rid of those rascals because it, if you spray them, they just go down deeper into the soil and they come up to eat and do whatever and hopefully catch a ride on a bird or something. Um, okay. I, I, but, my, but, my, go ahead. I was, I was just going to ask, no danger to plants or anything like that then? They're not that plant-type spider mites? Nope, nope. Not, they're, they're typically... Uh, 
they may be, but it's unlikely. Mostly, uh, they will just eat the bacteria. You know, it's it's part of the biome in the soil. It, you know, they create healthy soil. Mm-hmm. Just don't get them on you because they they you know they love chewing on you and me too. Well, then I just won't let anybody sit on those ledges. Well, yeah. Well, let them sit on the ledge, and they just won't come back and do it again. I promise that. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> okay, take care, Tony. See you. Bye now. And and that's just one of the things with all the rain we've had uh, through the year. We had torrential rain. We've had it on and off. So, um, you know, tree, trees are very happy. The blooms and the flowers are very happy. Uh, we're having a great sunlight. The temperature's warming up. Uh, you know, everything's, you know, full bore. Well, that means the bugs too. Likewise for you, and I don't know if Mike Miller uh, got into this, but, uh, uh, the pre-emergence that you put on your lawn, be aware that, and the reason I bring this up, it gets into asphalt and concrete sealing as well. So when the soil temperature hits, Oh, I don't know, roughly like 58, 59 degrees. Um, then what happens is uh, that's when the the seeds germinate in the weeds, and the weeds come out first before the grass seed all takes hold. So that's why pre-emergent on a lawn goes down when it's cool before it gets to the spring. So uh, you'd have to check with Mike Miller. But now that we're getting... Uh, daytime temperatures around the 70s and next week into the 80s and all the sun it is the soil temperature i'm talking about on the pre-emergent likewise with asphalt and concrete ceiling uh it is 70 degrees fahrenheit or above it is the material surface temperature that matters so if you're going to see clean and seal your asphalt driveway Make sure that that surface temperature, and I'm pretty sure it is with the sun we're having now and next week, uh, now is the time that you can clean and seal your asphalt. You can clean and seal your concrete very successfully. You can clean and seal your uh, wood decks and treated decks, all those things like that. Uh, Paint is measured and designed to optimally cure at about 70 degrees Fahrenheit. We have admixtures we can put in where we can apply paint down at, you know, 36 degrees, and it, it changes the chemical properties to where, you know, it will cure. But the point being that this is prime time. Spring and fall is 100% uh, best time. Pour concrete, seal concrete, seal asphalt, seal your uh, your deck, paint your house, whatever it might be. Uh, this is the time to go. 314-436-7900. Bring them on. Bring your questions. 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby, happily at your service. Glad to serve. Bring it on. And we have another hour and a half of the KMOX Home Improvement Show. I will return after this. Um. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together. Home Improvement, uh, 20 more minutes to the top of the hour. News, weather, and sports. Stay tuned. One more hour of the KMOX Home Improvement Improvement Show coming up after the top of the hour. 314-436-7900. Bring on your questions, your answers. And your favorite topics, maybe now it's time to start thinking about outdoor living. And maybe you want a new electrical outlet out there. Oh, man, now I'm going to need an electrician. Who do I call? How do I go about? Where would I put this? And how big a job would I want to do? Uh, So think about your electric and as it relates to uh, really 
uh, finishing the planning of what you need, or maybe you just run that extension cord around for maybe the electric charcoal starter, or maybe it's an electric barbecue pit. Uh, you know, extension cords are just not real good for those, you know, heating element type things like like uh, space heaters, you know, so keep in mind those things need a uh, usually an electrical outlet close by. Same for a gas grill. You can have your gas grill piped out to where your grill is for natural gas, and you can stop using the propane if you decide that's how you want to build it in. 314-436-7900 puts us together. Uh, let's see about my friend Mary. Hey, Mary, good morning. Welcome to Camwex. How can I help? Yes, I have a ceiling fan and the chain that uh, pulls the fan broke. So I mm. turned the circuit breaker off, came back upstairs, and realized that the fan is still running, but the lights are off. So I found the circuit breaker that does the lights. When I shut the lights off and the fan off, the electricity in another room on one wall also goes off. <laughs> what is the problem? Uh, well, there's no problem. It just means that that electrical for that ceiling fan is on the same circuit as the electrical outlets. And, and that's fine. That's not a big problem. That means when the ceiling fan was added, likely later, they pulled the electric from one of those wall outlets or one of the other lights in one of the other rooms. So as it relates to your circuit uh, breaker, all that stuff is working properly. Uh, okay, as far as so uh, I should... Uh, label both circuits, one as the ceiling fan in one room and the uh, south wall in the other room, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And all of your circuits really, for that same reason, should be uh, labeled. Now, if you get a new electrical panel, the electrician has to label all those circuits just so you and I know when we go and we open that thing, it's, you know, it's a little bit Greek to us. But if we know that it turns the electric off to those two places like you're labeling, um, that's a good thing. So I, I urge you to absolutely label that so you know three years from now that that's where it is, too. Okay, I'm going to have the fan replaced. Mm -hmm. um, I need to tell the person who puts that in that they need to shut off two breakers, correct? Uh, yes, yes. Somehow they've, uh, they wired one. Uh, yeah, you need to tell them that for sure. Because if you're take, shutting off two breakers, and one is for the fan and one is for the light, uh, you're really not supposed to have two different circuits inside of one box. Uh, but I, I, you know, in retrofit uh, fan installations, you know, it is what it is. So yes, you absolutely need to tell the uh, uh, fan installer what they're up against. Okay, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Okay, take care. Thanks, Mary. Uh, and that's uh, uh, that's a tough situation. What likely happened was there was a um, ceiling light up there. So when the house was built, there's an on-off switch for the light. So you click on the light and you click off the light. Well, th that wiring is all there. Well, um, the problem is if you add the ceiling fan to it, Whenever you flip the switch off, the fan will no longer run. The motor won't turn anymore. Uh, so uh, interestingly, this, and for Mary, if you're still listening, uh, uh, when you buy a new ceiling fan, oftentimes they don't need two switches anymore. They don't need a separate switch for the fan motor to turn the blades and a separate switch for the light. That's, you know, back in the 70s and the 60s, uh, you know, we had to run two wires, one for the light to come on and off and one for the 
fan motor to, to stay running whether the light was on or off. Now it's all done with an electronic remote control. All you need is electric up there on the ceiling. And indeed, uh, new homes that are being built today or room additions, all we do is run um, one hot wire, you know, a, a two wire up uh, positive and a ground for that fan. So it gets electric. And then everything else is Bluetooth or wireless between a separate remote control that just hangs on the wall. We just screw it to the wall, and you just point it at the fan. You say, turn on the fan. It goes on. Okay, speed up the fan, and it goes on. Oh, now I want to add the light, so you turn on the switch, for the, and the light bulb comes on. Oh, I want to dim that light, so you do all that with that remote control. And what it has done, what it, this electronic, it sounds like it's complex. It is enormously easier because all you need is electric up to that fan box, that stays on all the time. Uh, and so uh, that's prob- probably what will happen when the fan installer puts up. He'll just hook it up to the hot, and, and, and Mary, as you purchase this fan or choose that fan, if you get one of these electronic remote controls, you know, and it's from fans that are, you know, $100 up to, you know, $1,100. So you these are, uh, make sure you get that electronic feature because it, really makes it really easy on the electrician type thing. You just don't need an electrician so much anymore to make all these complex wiring uh, things, which is why you wound up with two breakers inside that same box. Uh, 314-436-7900, Let's see what's happening here with, uh, let's go to John on a circuit breaker. Hey, John, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you? Hey, John, are you there? I catch you asleep? Hello, John. Oh, okay, let's try Dwayne. Oh, there you go, John. Pardon my fat fingers, brother. I do now. Oh, okay. Sounds like you got a little cold. Oh, I got a lot of cold. I'm on the mend now, so, uh, you know, but yes, it is what it is. Welcome to St. Louis. (laughs) Yeah, really, allergies or something. I've got a, my brother-in-law had an outlet that he, out on his deck, one above the other, and, of course, the one above was powered by the one below. The one below is a GFI. Uh-huh. So he said, I can't, these outlets won't work. So I went and just replaced them for him real easy, you know, easy, five, ten-minute job. Uh-huh. Well, they still don't work. So that kind of gets to the breaker box, right? Maybe. Like maybe, maybe the breaker's out. So I was going to ask you, I don't think it's rats or mice eating his electrical wires, so it has to be a breaker, but his breakers are not marked. He's got 200 service, so he's got a lot of them. Mm. How do you find out which breaker is the bad one? Uh, Well, it may not be a bad breaker, um, number one. When you're, let's start, I'm going to start, I'll answer your question here eventually. Um, a GFCI will not operate if the ground is not uh, perfect. So you may have a ground wire that has a problem, or if you reverse polarity where you put the ground wire on the positive side of the, and then the, the positive wire on the ground side, or anywhere upline of that electrical outlet. So anywhere on that circuit, from that circuit breaker, John, 
all the way through to the wall. If any of that stuff is mixed up backwards or somebody changed an outlet and what's called reverse polarity or just flipped the wires where the white one's supposed to go on the, the silver screw and the, you know, the black wire is usually supposed to go on the bronze color dark screw, uh, yeah. if that ever gets flipped around, then that ground fault circuit interrupter says, whoa, this isn't right. Something, you know, I'm not going to turn it on. Something's unsafe. So you really have to uh, troubleshoot the wiring all the way back to that breaker. And I don't know any better way. There are tick testers where you can literally put a piece on, uh, you can plug something into that electrical outlet, um, and you'd have to find one on that same circuit where it is, and then, you know, you just go listen to whichever, you just you just listen to each breaker. Uh, you know, it's about a $200 tool, um, and, and it'll tell you which one. Or you just start flipping breakers, and you just randomly, if they aren't, if they aren't labeled, you know, you may have to just bite the bullet and spend five or six hours labeling the breakers, and you just then you have to go back and reset all the clocks and you know stuff like that. But you should have say you know circuit well, breakers that are labeled. I was the one who did the wiring, and I know that the green wire or whatever or the, or the pure copper goes on the green you know ground, yeah. and the white the white goes with silver, and the black or power goes to the bronze or brass. Right. See, I trust that. I trust that. The issue is there's a there might be a duplex in the family room that has reverse polarity, or that one's good, and then the one on the other wall somebody changed it out, or you know, you see what I mean? It's not just the one you. Yeah, you bought into somebody else's previous work, and it all has to be clean and and crisp. Okay, that's going to have to get an electrician. I think he's going to have to get an electrician for this. Yeah, that's that's kind of, sooner or later you can kind of, you know, give it a try, but you can burn a lot of hours in doing this, uh, but I, I suspect you're correct. Okay, thank you. Scott, okay. I hope you feel better. All right, thanks, John. Take care, buddy. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Camwex is going to take a short pause. We'll be right back after this. Testing from the underlying three lawyers. GetJim.com Studios. KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, indeed. Home Improvement. Scott Mosby here at your service. 50,000 watts. Phone lines open 314-436-7900. 436-7900. Let's uh, visit with my buddy, Dwayne. Hey, Dwayne. Uh, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help, sir? Hey, good morning, Scott. Uh, thank you for your service. I always enjoy listening to you, and I learn a lot. Um, thank you. My son has a, um, I don't know if you call it a one-and-a-half-story house or a two-story house, but the um, the the garage itself uh, is uninsulated and gets extremely hot in the summer and extremely cold in the winter. Um and two of the bedrooms, the upstairs bedrooms, have walls that uh, extend into the garage area. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if there is a way to insulate the garage you know, after the fact. It's, um, it's just studs and, and sheeting right now. Um, so yeah, that's perfect. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. If you've got raw framing from the underside, insulation, it doesn't matter whether it goes up in the finished space, in between the floor structure or walls, or on the surface of the garage. So uh, really, I, 
the way to go at this uh, for the floor of those two second-story rooms is to insulate the ceiling of that garage. Uh, and typically what happens is with those uh, rooms that are over the garage tends to be at the end of the duct run for a forced air heating and cooling system. So not only is it under insulated, it's usually under heated or cooled. It just doesn't get enough heat and cool BTUs, uh, you know, cubic feet of, of conditioning to those spaces. So you've got the worst of both worlds there. I would explore if uh, probably the priciest option and most effective, which usually is about the same, is a spray foam type material that you could spray into the ceiling of that garage. Uh, That needs to be covered as well as any other fiber insulation with drywall. So once you put an insulation in that ceiling, and typically that framing should be covered with drywall anyway because that if a fire starts in the garage you know with a car full of gasoline or electrical chargers and all the stuff that happens in garages you know that's high probability for fire source you know the, you need a fire code drywall barrier that slows down the fr- you know that fire spread uh, sure. so i i would insulate that ceiling I'd get up into the attic if you can and insulate the backsides of those walls on those two finished bedrooms. Uh, and you know, one of the problems is, you know, still you have to get up in the attic and insulate all, you know, the ceiling, the floor, and all the walls on those second floor rooms. But you can, if you can get to it from the garage, probably your biggest heat loss is through that un, uninsulated garage ceiling. Okay. Yeah, and that's probably the easiest one to tackle, actually. Yeah, so the, yes. Maybe get the most bang for the buck there. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And and I would I would pay for a premium insulation there because, frankly, uh, if you can make the feet feel less cold on the floor, the rest of the body feels more comfortable, too, so that radiant heat of a cold floor is just hard to get past. Sure. But I, yeah, I would I would go at it very very um, aggressively on that. Now, are the walls uh, up on the second floor? Do you have any crawl spaces or areas accessible from the backside that may not be insulated there as well? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. Well, um, uh, and my guess is if if there's insulation in the bedroom walls, it's minimal. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, and and, and with that in mind. Um, shortly, the first thing I would do would be to insulate that garage ceiling and drywall it. The second thing I would do is supplemental heating and cooling, because even if you insulate this thing like a Coleman cooler, you'll still never get it hot enough and cold enough because it's so far on the end of that run of that ductwork. So you're going to have to deal with BTUs as well. Okay. All right. Okay. Go get them, Dwayne. All right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, CamWex. Stay tuned, folks. 520 is the Cardinal pregame show right here on CamWex. Stay tuned for cards this afternoon.